Well, welcome back to Forgotten Lakers. We're here today with Jamal Sampson. Uh, Jamal was a Laker in the 2003-2004 season, um, probably one of the most compelling seasons in Lakers history that did not involve a championship. But uh, he's a guy I've wanted to talk to for a long time just to get his takes on the 2003-2004 season and uh, everything going on with the Lakers that year. So how are you doing today, Jamal? I'm doing good. Doing real good. Cool. Glad to hear it. Uh, one of the first questions I like to ask when I've gotten the chance to talk to a former Laker is, uh, how did you get interested in basketball? Like, uh, when did you start playing, and when did you realize that you had a real future in it? Um, I got interested in basketball from a young age. Uh, I grew up in a family of basketball players. My mom played professional basketball. My dad played college basketball and semi-professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm related to Ralph Sampson, who played. So oh, wow. I had a long line of family uh, sports players in my family. So I took an interest in it early on. Very cool. Uh, yeah, doing some research on your background and everything. I know you had a high caliber high school career. Uh, you were you know, a top 20, top 25 ranked player in the country. You got to play with, like I think it was AAU with Josh Childress, Tyson Chandler, a lot of those guys. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a really solid AAU program. Who else did you play with back then? Uh, we pl- I played with another guy who played at my high school too. Cedric Bozeman went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, played for the Hawks for a year. A guy played in the NBA for a few years named Bobby Jones went to the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might be the highest profile players on our team. Very cool. Um, so yeah, that 2001, I guess, high school class had, like I said, a lot of guys like Tyson Chandler, uh, Kwame Brown, um, Eddie Curry, a few other guys who went pro, uh, straight out of high school, giving, given where you were coming out of high school, you know, a top 25 player in the country. Did you give any consideration going straight to the NBA out of high school? Uh, yeah, I actually did. Um, I was going to actually enter the draft. I kind of tested the waters early on to see where I would get drafted, but I suffered like a severe ankle injury my uh, senior year of high school. So I wasn't able to do any of the pre-draft workouts or anything. Ah. So I knew that would affect my draft stock. So that's why I ended up going to college. But I ended up having, after the season, I had to have surgery even before I went to Cal. So that's the reason I didn't end up going that route. Ah, okay. Uh, What made you settle in on Cal as your school of choice? Uh, Cal actually came, they were a dark horse. They came out of nowhere. They didn't even recruit me. Actually, I was, uh, pretty much committed to go to UCLA. Um, last second I decided to back out a little too close to home for me. Um, and I saw Cal as an opportunity where I could play. They were actually on our campus recruiting another, a younger kid we had on our team, Amada Day. And I just, you know, got to meet the coaches a little bit while they were recruiting him. And they seemed like an interesting fit, and they had an opportunity to come in and start. And so I pretty much reached out to them, and uh, yeah, it went from there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I followed professional basketball very closely for a long time. Not so much, uh, you know, college. Did y'all have a successful year that freshman year, or did you make the tournament? Yes, yes. We uh, we actually went to the Sweet 16, lost to Pittsburgh that year. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, so I know coming into the NBA, you had first year with Milwaukee. Definitely want to talk to you about tonight. Um, 
is your season with the Lakers. So, like I was saying in the introduction to this, uh, you know, 2003, 2004, one of the most compelling seasons in Lakers history. Uh, the Lakers had won three straight titles from 2000 to 2002, uh, fell out of the playoffs in 2003, and then they retooled their roster for the season that you joined the team. Uh, you know, aside from keeping Kobe and Shaq, they signed Gary Payton, Carl Malone, uh, a few other veterans. So what was that training camp like for you, just going into a situation like that? Um, you know, aside from all the pressure of just being a Laker, you have the retold roster, you had Kobe's legal situation going on at the same time, and you were, you know, fairly young at, at the time. So what was that training camp like for you, just uh, that experience? Uh, for me, it, it was... It was a lot. Uh, yeah, I was only 20 at the time. And, you know, you're coming in playing with <clears throat> four, you know, future Hall of Famers. And, you know, we also had other key veterans, Horace Grant, Rick Fox, mm-hmm. you know, other elderly guys on the team. Mm-hmm. So coming into a veteran, Byron Russell, um, having a veteran roster like that was an interesting take, along with, you know, coming into a season where, Kobe is, you know, going through the trial stuff and flying back and forth. And so it was a lot of, I would say, intensity, like as far as like trying to bring the group together, as far as the veterans, making sure that they didn't allow the outside, um, you know, outside world to affect the team. Obviously, there was a lot of negative turmoil surrounding Kobe uh, to start off that year in training camp, him and Shaq. Yeah, had a little incident, you know, before the season. So it was more so, you know, the Carl Malone, the Gary Payton, the Horace Grants trying to keep everything in-house and not let the outside drama come in and affect how that team was going to do that. Would you say uh, that the roster that year was divided, like, you know, between Team Kobe, Team Shaq, or did everybody kind of keep to themselves? Or what were the, what was the dynamics like? Um, personally, I I wouldn't say that people would tell you it was divided. I do think there was a little bit of a divide, but everybody tried to stay neutral. I would th- I would say for the most part, um, no one tried to openly take a side just because they. I mean, that would obviously have a huge impact on team chemistry. Yeah. Even though I think you know subconsciously certain people agreed with one side or the other, mm-hmm. but for the most part, everybody tried to stay neutral to try to hold the team together. Mm. The Lakers got off to a really successful start that year. I think you guys were 18-3 and three, um, for your first 21 games. Then you might hit a couple roadblocks. Then Carl Malone's injury and everything. From your perspective, did you feel like you guys were going to you know, go on to win the title that year? Or did you think it was kind of a matter of time before the team more or less imploded? Uh, no, I, I fully thought we were going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no doubts in my mind. Uh, Obviously, yeah, Carl's injury was huge. Um, you know, probably his first major injury of his career that year. Yeah. Um, that was that was pretty devastating. He really couldn't, you know, he tried to gut it out and bounce back, but, I mean, you could tell he, he wasn't himself. Um, <clears throat> and I think that played a, a role just in general, not just on the court but off the court because, like I said, him and Gary were those the two glue guys, you know, probably along with Horace Grant mm-hmm. of holding the unit together and making sure that, you know, everything stayed, stayed together. So when you took him out of the lineup and obviously with the, uh, him going back and forth, getting reevaluated, it kind of took his presence away from the team too. Sometimes missing, you know, certain games down the stretch. 
uh, I think that affected the team. So going through the playoffs that year, you guys uh, beat Houston, I want to say in five. Uh, then you had that great series with the Spurs. You know, it was 2-2. Then that game five game with Derek Fisher uh, hit that shot with 0.4 seconds left to win by one. Uh, for Laker fans, can you describe just what the moments were like on the bench? You know, Duncan hit that crazy shot, and then Fisher came back with that game winner. And then can you describe what that was like and then what the maybe the af- what the uh, locker room was like after Fisher's shot? Man, I, I would say that's the most exciting game I've ever seen yeah. <laughs> that I've ever been a part of. Uh, yeah, to go back and forth like that. And then, you know, I mean, rarely do you see, even though we know that it's legal to get a shot off like that point four, do you see a jump shot hit like that sure. in point four? <clears throat> so I think that uh, that actually, I think, gave us a lot of confidence once he hit that. Like this was, you know, one of those Laker destiny, you know, years where we're going to win the title. I think that instilled the confidence back. Like, you know, we're going we're gonna to win this ring. Mm-hmm. You saw a uh, locker room come together and like hey we got this really yeah yeah that was uh yeah just i think i guess now that was gosh 14 years ago this past playoffs yeah yeah does it feel like 14 years ago to you fisher shot no it doesn't feel (laughs) i I guess because you still see like clips of it and stuff and so it doesn't feel like it was that long ago like Uh it felt like it was a couple years back but yeah that was an eternity ago now yeah (laughs) Um, so you guys, you went on to close the close out the Spurs in six, then uh, faced Minnesota, beat them, and I think in six as well. Uh, but then before you faced off with Detroit in the NBA Finals, um, you know, like I said, or you like you even just said that the, you know, you felt like the Lakers are going to win the title. I think ninety nine percent of the world thought the Lakers were going to win that series. Maybe everybody outside of Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. And they come in to L.A., steal game one. Uh, Lakers win a nail-biter in game two. I remember Kobe hit that game, or uh, a three to send it into overtime. And then uh, y'all, yeah. y'all squeaked out an overtime win. And then were the would you say the team was confident heading to Detroit, You know, given that Detroit had taken game one and that the Lakers barely won game two? Yeah, the team was confident. Uh, that's one thing about uh, Shaq, Kobe, and those guys. Confidence doesn't waver with superstars of that caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think some of the younger guys, we might have lost some confidence, but the older veterans, they their confidence didn't waver. You know, um, they were ready to go. They fully thought they were going to come into Detroit and, you know, turn this thing around and get home court advantage back and, and go from there. What do you think, I mean, just from a basketball strategy or, you know, what the Detroit's tactics were, what do you think happened to where – you know, if the Lakers were coming in confident to, you know, they came in to game three. I want to say Detroit won by like 20 or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think uh, happened from coming in from after winning game two, coming in confident to, you know, more or less just falling apart once the series shifted to Detroit? Confidence is one thing, but I, I mean, honestly, being there, seeing it in person, they were a better team unit. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they played together. Uh you know, their strategy, um, especially offensively, I think they did a good job of tiring Kobe out, using Rip Hamilton, running him off a ton of screen. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that affected him offensively, having to chase Rip around like that. Sure. And just the way they played together as a unit, like there was no there was no individual that stood out for them. It was a collective team thing, and that's how they played, especially defensively. 
uh, I don't think I, I since playing basketball, I don't think I've ever seen a collective better defensive unit than that Pistons team that we played that year. Mm. When when so after Lakers lose games three, four, and five, and Detroit wins the series. In the back of your mind, like given that you had spent the year like as, as a teammate of Kobe and Shaq, did you sense that that was the end for them? I did. Mm-hmm. I would say only because I, I I saw it as if that year would have happened with his trial and the whole incident before the season with Kobe talking to, I think it was Jim Gray or whatever. Yeah, it was Jim Gray, yeah. Yeah, if that would have all happened without Carl Malone and Gary and, and those veteran presence being around that locker room, I think that season would have deteriorated rapidly. Mm. Um, and so I, I figured you can see that it was, you know, that obviously Gary could still play with Carl with that first major injury. I mean, you can see that this was probably the end of the, end of the road for Carl. I mean, he had accomplished everything that he needed to accomplish outside of a ring. Yeah. But without those presence in the locker room, I I didn't see a way for them to be able to be cohesive together. Really? Well, so when uh, the off season comes and you see Kobe's flirting with signing with the Clippers and then you eventually see that Shaq's going to get traded to Miami, what were you thinking at that time? Were you thinking there was a chance you, I mean, just what were you thinking as a teammate of theirs and were you thinking that you were going to be able to return to the team? Um, or what were you, what were your feelings at that point? Well, I mean, obviously, I was first shocked by the whole Shaq getting traded thing, but um, you know, I, I figured one of the two was going to have to go, um, and I, I understood the decision. Kobe was younger, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I can see why the organization went in the direction they went. You know, obviously, as a basketball fan, that was you know one of the best one-two punches to ever you know play play the game. So. As a fan in itself, you know, me, I was disappointed because obviously I thought if they put it together, they could have, you know, done a lot more in their career. Mm-hmm. Both of them were at a stage where they had a lot left. Uh, for me as a player, uh, I definitely thought I was going to come back. I actually had a, <clears throat> when I signed with them, I had a two year deal. Mm-hmm. But that year when um, when the season ended is when Charlotte became an expansion team. Oh, had yeah. Expansion draft. Uh huh. And so the Lakers were required. Um, it was a rule where if you have a certain amount of players on your team, then you were required to either put one or two players available to be picked in the expansion draft. Um, and because of the amount of players that were on the roster, we had, they had to put two up, and they had to put me. They put me and Luke Walton up, mm. and then Charlotte took me. Ah, okay, yeah, I remember when you were on Charlotte. Well, so just uh, another thing about. Just getting to play with the Lakers, getting to play with Kobe and Shaq. You're a, you know, Los Angeles native. So did you grow up a Lakers fan? Believe it or not, <clears throat> I didn't grow up a Lakers fan. I uh, I grew up in Inglewood, across the street from the Forum. Uh-huh. But my dad was actually a Celtic fan, oh. and I grew up a Celtic fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool! And you had a so I took a lot of slack for that. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Um, you had a training camp run with the Celtics, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, I did. Oh, cool. So was, was that like a childhood dream come true then? Like you got to put on the Celtic uniform? Childhood dream. Yes. Yeah. And I grew up in Inglewood. So obviously I was younger and my, uh, you know, the player I, I watched the most, obviously coming out of Inglewood was Paul Pierce. Oh, so, sure. You know, being in Boston with Paul, you know, for me, that was, that was, you know, a, a childhood dream. Oh. <laughs> 
Very cool. Uh, so what are you doing now? Um, are, do you still play like you know any professional league or recreationally, or have you uh, have you what have you retired for good? I retired for good. I I last play I was playing over in China mm-hmm. uh, for a bit. Um, yeah, then after that I, I've hung it up and yeah I've retired. Now you know I still play recreationally, yeah. stay in shape a little bit, but that's about it right now as far as playing. Very cool. Are you doing any coaching at all, or involved with the game in any aspect? Uh, so yeah, I've done a little a little coaching locally. Uh, I uh, coach at a high school here locally, just helping out or whatever. But I probably I, I don't see myself as a a person going into coaching full time or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I enjoy working guys out a little bit. There's you know a couple of local college big man and stuff here that have asked me to work them out and work out with them and help them out, especially during the summer. Mm-hmm. So I do that, but I don't see me going into coaching full time or anything like that. Um, so I got one last question for you that it's a type of question I like to do with, um, you know, former Lakers when they come on the podcast. So I'm looking at the complete roster for the 2003, 2004 Lakers. There are 17 mm-hmm. names, including you. And so all these guys have mm-hmm. played at least one game that year with the Lakers. How many of those seventeen can yep. you name? Seventeen. <laughs> There's seventeen, yeah, including you. I say, I say, I can name all of them. All right, let's do it. Ah, Gennaro Pargo. Yep. Devin George. Yep. Rick Fox. Mm-hmm. Jack Kobe. Horace Grant. Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. Jerry Payton, yep. um, Kareem Rush, yep. Brian Cook, mm-hmm. Luke Walton, mm-hmm. Slava Mevidenko. Yep. What am I at right now? You're at, tw- <laughs> you're at 12, 13 including you. 13 including four more. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> did I name Byron Russell? You did not. So, yeah, now you got three more. Okay. Here we go. Mmm. Uh, this is a good one. Ooh, wow! I got three more too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you saw, so they only had to play one game too. Yep. I can't let you stump me on this yeah. one. Ah. Oh man, who did only do we have to pick anybody up? Oh, Derek Fisher. Yep. Oh man, I, oh, I, I feel bad. What am I doing leaving these fish off? Yeah. Um. Two more, two more. And I named Horace Grant, right? Yeah, you named Horace Grant. Okay, I named all the young guys, I think. Um, I don't know if he played a game for us. I don't know if that was just training camp. We brought him up. Ime Udoka? Ime Udoka, yes. And then there's one more who... Got it, okay. He was, and there's another one... Um, he was in training camp, was cut, and they brought him back, I think, in January when y'all had a big rash of injuries and he played a handful of games. Kogo Archibald? Nope. I think he was there for um, training camp, but they didn't bring him back. But this is a... Oh, oh I know exactly who it is. Uh, ouch. What is his name? I, I, I have a picture of him in my head. I know exactly who he is. <laughs> He was a little older. He might have come back when he was about almost. It was his first time in the NBA. You know, he might have been close to thirty. I think. Yeah, he he was older. He was a guard. Yep, he was a guard. Went to um, LSU. I think he went to Maryland. Yeah, LSU. Um, oh, 
I remember him in training the captain everything. <laughs> Leron? Nope. Is it the what oh, what is his name? <laughs> oh, this is gonna kill me. I, I have his face in my head. I, I, I can't remember the name. <laughs> you ready to throw in the towel? Uh, I know as soon as you tell me, I'm going to be disappointed in myself. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to remember it. <laughs> Maurice Carter. Get off! <laughs> Man. You know, I've, Man, I've reached I, out you know to him. I wouldn't. I've reached out to him a few times. I wouldn't times. have got it either. You wouldn't have gotten it? Oh, you did? Yeah, I wouldn't have remembered his name. <laughs> yeah, I've reached out to him and he said yes, and then like we've communicated through email. Like, we even got on the phone once, so, like he's asking me some questions about it, and then he kind of just doesn't follow up with messages after that. So I'll I'll try him again down the road. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say thank you for coming on uh, the Forgotten Lakers podcast. Uh, I really enjoy getting to hear about your Lakers stop, and um, you did really good on the game. You only missed one. A lot of guys missed several. <laughs> Oh well, hey, I'm glad I uh, I'm at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but th- yeah, thanks for having me. All right, thank you, Jamal. Take care. Okay, appreciate it. All right.